You're listening to a Whales or Whales production. You're also listening to Whales. Visit whalesorwhales.com for more projects and shows like this one. Welcome to Hearthaholic Strategies of Hearthstone, a Hearthstone strategy workshop where we don't have a tagline yet because this is our first episode. I am Brian, your host, and joining me today is Andres. Hello, Andres. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going pretty well. And you may be asking yourself right now, listener, wait a minute, this isn't your first episode. It says like 27 or something right there next to the episode number. And that is true. As you probably know, Hearthaholics has had many episodes in the past, but that's been with a different format with our fellow uh, former co-host, Billy. But unfortunately, as you might have heard in the last uh, public service announcement we put up, Billy got super busy and, at least for the foreseeable future, won't be able to make recordings. So that left us with uh, me and Andres figuring out what we wanted to do with the show going forward, because our last format, as I said, was very focused on a three-person conversation, and so Andres and I had a lot of discussions about what we wanted to do with it going forward. Um, so Andres, what did we end up deciding on? Yeah, I think after much discussion and consideration, we've chosen to go the pathway of a, a Strategy Center podcast. I think uh, both of us, Brian and me, are really interested in that aspect of the game. And we think there's a lot of people out there who are super interested. Um, so we want to take the episode more of this route and just um, you know explore all of the the strategy and competitive side of the game as well as like you know we we also keep it keep our conversations going on and when there's like awesome news we'll bring it up yeah. and stuff like that uh it's not gonna be like a classroom super strict or anything you know <laughs> still the lightheartedness you will of be graded, however yes we, we will grade every listener independently on how they do at listening yeah. so we pretty much intend to keep the show very much how it was just with a more uh more strategy focus approach yeah, the tone of the show and the conversations is the same, but the content of the show is much more focused. Each week, we're going to be taking a particular topic. Um, this week, actually, episode one is going to be a tutorial on core concepts, which we'll be going over in a second. But each week, we're going to be taking a, taking a very specific strategy topic and spending just 30 to 40 minutes really drilling into that topic rather than covering Hearthstone as a whole. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it. We're definitely really excited about teaching and learning about Hearthstone um, from a more educational bent instead of just having fun conversations about it. So we'll see how that goes. The first thing we have lined up in this new uh, world we're exploring is a three-part tutorial series on Hearthstone and card game theory in general. Um, this is something I'm really excited about because this is exactly what I would have wanted getting into Hearthstone, which is just a, a, a resource that quickly goes through all of the basics of how you play a trading card game, what all the different concepts mean, how they interplay with each other, and rather than just going over, you know, what the specific recent decks are or how the meta in Hearthstone is, etc. Um, so we're going to be doing three different episodes. The first one is going to be on the core concepts of the game, and that's what we're covering now. So, Andres, why don't we jump into that? Sounds good to me. Okay, Andres, so what are the core concepts of Hearthstone? 
All right, so let's start with uh, the idea of Hearthstone. Okay, well, Hearthstone is a game. Hearthstone is a game. We're, we're not going to start that basically. <laughs> <laughs> what is a hearth and what is a stone? But uh, right. it's, uh, it's interesting because a lot of people get into Hearthstone, right? And you just start playing it and you learn the game kind of as you go, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. a trial and error. And then down the line, you might get a little more interested into it and you might want to dig in a little deeper. But um, most people don't think about the game right down down to its core, right? Like what what is the basics of Hearthstone? Hearthstone is is an awesome game that has a lot of flair and we see a lot of creatures smashing one against the other. But at the core of Hearthstone, Hearthstone is a very mathematical-based game. Based on like careful planning and resource efficiency, that sort of thing. Right. So it's really interesting to me to like get down to the nitty gritty and think about like the bare bones of the game and what it really is. Um, aside from all the flair from the creatures and all the cool effects that you see happening on the board, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, Hearthstone is such a well-produced game. There are so many sound effects. And now with the tavern brawls, there are so many crazy rules that if you look at like one, I don't know, if you look at Deathwing and then you look at the Kobold Geomancer, it's hard to imagine like the same underlying rules are behind both of them. Like they just seem like so incomparable, but there are a lot of (laughs) basic concepts. Like this is a very simple game, which is one reason I love it as a study into strategy in general is because it uses so few elements to create so many different scenarios. And if you understand just those basic elements, you can evaluate pretty much the entire game and every individual card in the game very easily. Instead of having to just start from ground one and seek out an expert's opinion for every single situation and card you run across. Understanding this basic concept also gives you a lot of uh, power in this game because it allows you to think about the game in ways that you hadn't before and it what really allows you to to improve and like really good players in this game have these concepts down to the point where um, they can use them to their advantage all the time and use them to their opponent's detriment all the time. Exactly, which is exactly why I, not a really good player, am going to have you teach me about that. <laughs> well, I'm not not the best player out there, but I have studied these concepts a fair bit, so I'm quite familiar with them. Yeah, you've you've done your part in the Hearthstone scene, reaching Legend many times, so I'm I'm going to trust your opinion on this one. <laughs> um, so let's start here with resources. What are your resources on cool. this? Um, so yes, resources are basically. The most basic thing in Hearthstone, uh, they're basically the fuel that drives uh, your game plan and mm-hmm. is what allows you to do things in the game. Um, there's basically three re- resources in Hearthstone that um, are worth covering, or basically just three overall. <laughs> <clears throat> and those are, would be mana, mana crystals, uh-huh. would be health, yep. and cards. And I know this might sound a little confusing, like health, a resource, what are you talking about? Health is your, your <laughs> life. You, you, you can't die. And we'll touch that in a little bit. But yep. um, let's, You forgot let's... one resource, Andres, which is tilt. tilt. Very important resource. Yes. You must keep it yeah. low at all times. It's a negative resource. Lose. Yeah, you, you exactly. want to keep it very, very low. <laughs> we'll cover that one last. We'll cover, that's the... an advanced concept. You're not going to run across that for a while, so don't worry about it. Well, I don't know. Some people run into that concept fairly quick. That's a good point. That's probably why they don't keep playing. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point. All right. So mana. Mana are those little blue things on the bottom right of the screen. We're not going to spend a lot of time to this because a lot of these are kind of self-explanatory. Totally. The tutorial uh, in Hearthstone goes over them. So anyone knows what they are. Yeah. Mana is just your basic 
feel but pretty much you need mana to uh play all of your cards all of your mm-hmm. ca- cards cost mana except for a very uh specific few which actually don't cost any mana but aside from that all of them do um the only important thing to know about mana is that you want to be using it as efficiently as possible um that's like the basic rule of thumb of it yep. um if you mana in... is yep. a depletable resource and is you can't save it right so mm-hmm. if you don't use mana in a turn, you basically lose it. Yep, that's a consideration every turn. If you're ending turn three and you only spent like one mana to play a Lepronome, you know, you're leaving two mana unspent and you never can go back and get that mana on turn four. No matter what you played on three, it's going up to four. So it doesn't mean you always play everything in your hand because as we're going to cover, that can be very bad for uh, other concepts and other ways of staying ahead in the game. However, it's definitely a consideration to keep in mind of did I use everything I could with mana? Maybe I should use my hero power. You know, how can I structure my turns to get the best out of my mana each turn rather than just, you know, um, not even noticing that and just playing whatever looks good from your hand on whatever turn. So pretty much. So what about health? That seems like a weird resource because, you know, it's it's what kills you. So how can you really use that to your advantage? Health is interesting. And is health is not um, as obvious to people who are coming into the game and looking at it as a resource. They see it as uh, their life's points. And basically, they don't want their health to be touched. And they're trying to avoid their health to be touched at all points because they know if they do, uh, they'll die. Also, yep. they might overvalue health thinking that they want to... Um, uh, take away their opponent's health as fast as possible without regards to anything else. But the way Hearthstone is designed, interestingly, there's a lot of ways in which you can use health as a resource. And um, a very basic example of this is, for example, the Warlock Hero Power. The Warlock Hero Power converts two mana and two health into a new card from your deck that you draw. Um, so this is a good example of how you can use health as a resource. You use it basically to draw more cards. And there's a lot of uh, effects like that in Hearthstone that allow you to convert mm-hmm. health into other useful things. Right. Because the interesting thing about health is, as itself, it's not doing anything to win you the game. Like, health is not a minion on the board. Health is not, a um, is not you know, something you can spend to cast almost any card. So you can be at 30 health, but that's not doing anything for you except creating, like, padding. And if you could win the game going down to 5 health instead of going down to 15 health, then why not spend some of that health to get exactly. that extra as win As long condition? as you're not at zero, you have not lost the game. And yeah. you can use a lot of that uh, health as a resource to drive you forward in the game, mm-hmm. which is important to think about. Exactly. Think of how many games you win at like 20, 25 health. That was wasted resources right there if you had potential to use that. So, you know, those you really have to think about it as a resource and not just as, you know, as a, a number that the further down it goes, the worse you're doing. Yep. And then uh, lastly, cards. Uh, mm-hmm. Very self-explanatory. Each yep. player has 30 cards. And if you cannot kill your opponent with those 30 cards, you are out of luck. You will slowly <laughs> start dying after you run out of cards. This is true. Cards are pretty important in this game, turns out. Pro tip. <laughs> Pro tip, and it might seem like a silly concept at first, but like when you're thinking about building decks and that sort of thing, it's very important that you keep in mind which cards you put in it because you do have a finite limit of it. So if you don't have the cards that can get the job done, uh, you will run out of steam and you will get probably overrun or won't be able to close out the game. Yeah, unlike mana and health, cards are something you actually have control over how much is going into your deck. So... 
that we're not going to cover deck building or in this what, episode. what type is going into your deck. Exactly. Not how exactly. much. Because yeah, you have, that's, you have that's to have a good 30, point. You no don't have that choice in cards either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what type is going in? And though we're not going to cover deck building in this episode, cards is the resource you have the most control over uh, in general in Hearthstone, which is pretty mm-hmm. neat. Exactly. And uh, <clears throat> talking about cards, <clears throat> the next concept I want to talk about is a concept that is very related especially to cards, is the concept of uh, value, or as I like to call it, the concept of good playing. Um, value, interestingly enough, is kind of a word that has become really popular in Hearthstone. I think mainly because of people like Trump, mm-hmm. the value king. <laughs> well, he made like a, t- a whole team called Value Town, so yeah, I think he's pretty into it. Exactly, because <laughs> before, before that, before Hearthstone... Um, the concept of value was known and it, it was shared among many um, collectible card games, but it was more of the concept of uh, good playing, you know, using you, your cards as right. efficiently as possible. And that is what the concept of value talks about. It's an all-encompassing concept in Hearthstone uh, where you have to think about all of your possibilities and carefully plan and deploy your cards in a way that is effective and efficient and you're getting the most out of them um as much as you can sometimes yep sometimes it's not possible because obviously both players are trying to do this and by mm-hmm. both players trying to do this they're obviously trying to also choose the options which are detrimental to their opponents that's the other side of value you want things that are good for you and things that are bad for your opponent to happen and that's how you want to allocate your cards yeah exactly and like we touched before there's a finite amount of cards so it's really important to keep an idea uh, an idea of how much each card is doing one example of getting value out of a card is let's say um arcane missiles one mana card does one damage to three uh three different targets so it does one damage three different times to random enemy targets if you play that when the enemy's board is clear, it's just going to hit the enemy's uh, health for three. That's okay amount of value from that card. That's not terrible. One mana to do three damage to your enemy. Like if, but at the beginning of the game, that isn't that isn't particularly useful to get them from thirty to twenty-seven, unless you have a really specific game plan. But if, for example, their field uh, currently consisted of like a two two attack one health minion and a one attack one health minion, and you played it and it killed both of those minions, then you got a lot of value out of that card because you killed two different minions with it. Probably also did damage to your opponent's face, and so you got a, the same card doing the same effect for the same amount of resources from you impacted your opponent much more because of when and how you played it. So that's kind of the basic concept of value. Pretty much. Yep. It's again, it's kind of a self-evident, so it feels weird to go over, but it's really important to think about at all times, especially when new to the game. So Yeah. Um as as you progress in the game though, value becomes more evident as you uh gain practice against different decks and like play mm-hmm. the field. It it becomes more obvious when you should be playing your cards, when you should be holding back, when when is a good situation for you to get the most out of them. Um it's yeah. something you just gotta practice a lot pretty much. Uh, it comes with experience yeah the concept of value is both really simple and really complex because like you said plant it does not always one play because if you're facing one type of deck then value would be very different than if you're facing another type of deck or yeah, if you're value, facing another type of deck. That, that's a good point that you just said right there value yeah. is a relative constant exactly uh, you can argue it concept yeah exactly it's not yep. it's not a static thing that exists in all cards but it's constantly changing depending on what each player is doing and mm-hmm. what the game plan is of each player is doing so it's a 
hard to describe concept, but totally. basically it just pertains to that good playing. Now, something that value can often lead to is a whole other concept, which is card advantage. Um, Andres, why don't you go over the basics of what card advantage is? Sure thing. Um, before we go into card advantage, I sure. just want to say that aside from the resources and the concept of thinking about playing with value, mm -hmm. Hearthstone or a most uh, collectible card games have two really big concepts in them. One of yep. them is the concept of the card advantage, and the other one is the concept of tempo. And both of these things are basically used are basically how players tilt the balance of power um, towards their side, so they had they increase their chances of winning the game through these ways. So let's touch on card advantage first, because sure. I feel it's the easier one to understand out of both. Alrighty. In simple words. Card advantage is the ability for one player to have more cards both in his hand or on the board than the other player. Um, okay. So we're not talking about cards in the deck, but we're talking about cards <laughs> that the player has available currently at that time in his hand yep. or he has already deployed on the battlefield and they're ready for him to use. Basically why this is important is that generally the player who has... Um, the card advantage usually has more options and can usually gain an advantage over time because he can have um, better or more answers or he can um, match his threats a little more accordingly, meaning that he might be able to draw sooner into a four-cost minion that he can play on turn four, while his opponent might might miss his turn four minion because he couldn't draw enough cards to get it. And he just got unlucky with the first few draws. Um, yeah. <clears throat> same with like, uh, if your opponent's putting a lot of pressure uh, on a turn, drawing more cards basically means that you have more chances into drawing into that one card that will allow you to deal with that situation easily. Yeah, there are kind of like two elements of it. One is the most important, is probably the more important element, which is just having fuel. It feel it is very dangerous to have a turn where you can just play nothing. Um, but that can happen if you don't have enough cards. You can even mm -hmm. run out of cards entirely and just be top decking, which is, you know, drawing the top card every turn and hoping you could do something with it. That's a very bad position to be in. Um, and so you de definitely want to keep enough cards to be able to be using your mana each turn and doing something um, in most decks. But the second thing about card advantage is even if you already have that covered and you're like, hey, I'm great. I can play something every turn. I have, you know, an extra card every turn. So why would I need more cards on top of that? Which is something you covered, Andres, which is even once you have those cards, excess cards are giving you more options. So you could play one card, but now that you've drawn three more cards, you have three different cards or three different spells you could play. So you can play one that fits the situation better. Exactly. Um, Likewise, um, card advantage also matters on stuff that is on the board. Having right. more stuff on the point. board than your opponent uh, usually means that you're going to be the one who's threatening your opponent and they're going to have to deal with you. And in that situation, you're putting yourself ahead because your opponent stops targeting your hero and has to deal with your minions and resolve that situation first, giving right. you a little more leeway to keep snowballing into your win. Yep, that's very true. So obviously card advantage is pretty darn important. Let's go over a few ways that one can get card advantage. Um, probably the most common way in Hearthstone, since it's a very minion-centric game and very focused on the uh, minions on the board, is trading. 
Uh, and that's basically just the idea that you take a minion, you kill an opponent's minion, your minion is still alive. You just got card advantage because you removed a card from your opponent without losing your card. Sure, you lost part of your card. It got hurt, but your opponent's going to have to use something to remove that card. It may be half of one of his minions, but hey, then you're, you know, half a card ahead. So... That's kind of the easiest way to do it, and it's pretty darn common in Hearthstone because you can target your opponent's minions with any of your minions. Yeah, um, and uh, that's an interesting thing that you just said there mm-hmm. where you said you're one and a half cards ahead. Yeah. Sometimes card advantage is not exactly a one-to-one right. ratio, right? Card advantage can sometimes be that. Like, you get ahead by half of a card, but that half of a card might be able to push you later into the game by exactly. giving you a full card. Um also with trading you can do uh uh yeah like you said valuable trades where your opponent might have to run a lot of minions into the same creature just mm-hmm. to get rid of it and that way you can get things that are like w- one of your minions for three of them you can gain a yep. lot of card advantage like that i think this is a really useful concept to brush up on if you're just starting to play hearthstone i mean it's valuable later on in the game for sure but it kind of comes somewhat second nature once you're used to it but ideas such as okay you have like a you know a three attack four health minion on the board and they have a two attack two health minion on their board you could attack their uh face and remove their health some but strongly consider attacking that minion and removing it while you can before they can have an answer to deal with your minion with one card because they might have some spell that deals four damage but if you remove their minion then that means they at least lost a card for your card and now they still have to deal with your card exactly and like we said cards are a resource and they're a finite resource so just Mm -hmm. taking all things aside the player who's able to more efficiently deal with the other person's card at the end of the of the the match is Mm -hmm. usually going to win just because the other player will run out of cards first yep So playing it safe typically make the best trades possible. However, depending on the decks you're facing and the deck you're playing, you'll make different playstyle choices, but we'll be covering that in the next episode more than this one. Um, So another way that you can gain card advantage, apart from just trading efficiently, is draw spells and effects. So what are these, Andres? Draw spell effects are very simple, and is basically what the title says. Are cards and spells that draw you more cards into your deck. Um, one thing that is important to keep in mind is that... Or rather actually, into your hand, rather, in, not into your deck, yeah, but from your deck yeah, from into your, your deck into your hand. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is a good thing to keep in mind is that for you to actually gain card advantage, these cards need to actually increase your hand size or give you additional cards that you had already. So yep. cards that just replace themselves, for example, if a card just said, uh, draw a card... You're using one card to draw another card. This is not giving you <laughs> card advantage. It's just but it cy- like such cycling, a good spell. cycling your deck pretty much. <laughs> so it's one yeah. thing to keep in mind. Uh, but thankfully, most of the draw spells in this game, for example, Arcane Intellect, says yes. draw two cards, where you're using one card to draw two cards, basically increasing your card advantage like this. Yeah, that is true. And often the cards that will be draw a single card are minions. And what you're gaining from that is not necessarily number of cards in your hand, but you can like play a two four minion that uh, a two attack four health minion that gets you a card. In which case, you know you got that two four minion and didn't have to spend a card. Yeah, on. and uh, so. those those minions can actually give you card advantage in the form mm-hmm. of if you let's say let you play a loot hoarder on turn two, uh-huh. and that loot hoarder gets rid of your opponent's knife juggler and yep. draws you a card. 
then your loot hoarder got rid of one of his cards and draws you and drew exactly. you another card. So it gives you card advantage by decreasing your opponent's cards and increasing yours. Exactly. Very well put. Um, so draw spells and effects are pretty um, pretty obvious. They are actually one of the most powerful things in the game. This is why Warlock's um, hero power is so powerful, because yes. you lose health and mana, but you can draw cards <laughs> continually throughout the entire game. Yeah, um, like we said, uh, card advantage is a very big part of this game, and mm-hmm. having more cards gives you an edge of your opponent. That's why things that draws usually draw you cards are usually expensive in the game and yep. don't come lightly for example the war like your power costs you two mana and two health which might seem like a like a huge penalty but the benefit right. of that outweighs the 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 bad things that come from it exactly and mo- actually like a good percentage of the cards that blizzard has had to nerf and reduce in quality have been because they let card draw get completely out of hand yep. it's like one of the most important things in the game to balance because if it's uh if you like hit it off somehow and it it, it uh grows in power too quickly it, it is one of the most uh, exponential power uh, uh power facets of the game so you have Absolutely. to be very careful about it uh when from a design perspective i mean exploit it all you can when playing but from <laughs> yes, a design you, you perspective, want to you want to exploit it exactly as much as you, can. you can't blame the players <laughs> for exploiting it i mean you look at the most recent amazing deck um the grim patron deck which was the reason that deck was so good was not just because it had such good win condition but could, but because it could draw to that win condition so effectively yeah warrior or had just it could, enough mechanics. it could reach his win condition do amazing yep. things and then still redraw and refill their hand uh, in exactly. amazing ways. Exactly. So yeah, draw effects are really good. You know what else are really good? Sweeper <laughs> or AOE spells. These are amazing. So the basically the concept of an AOE spell is you cast a spell and instead of saying like deal four damage to a creature, it says deal four damage to all enemy creatures or sometimes your own creatures as well. Um, and that's the, I mean, the, honestly, it should be pretty obvious to anyone listening why that's good for card advantage after everything we've gone over, <laughs> because you played one card and you probably, if you played it at a good part, killed multiple of your opponent's cards. That yep. can, that is probably, especially playing early on, one of the single biggest swing factors of the game. Um, yeah, and AOE I spells. think, uh, probably like AOE spells or sweeper spells are, one of the most obvious ways to get card advantage in the beginning, even before mm-hmm. you even think about the concept of card advantage or any of that, once yep. when you see those cards, wait, wait a minute, I get rid of three of their cards with this card? That's, yeah. That sounds great. It's uh, intrinsically good. Yep. Exactly. You look at, like, Consecration and Paladin, you pay four mana, you deal two damage to your opponent's entire board. Like, yeah. that's amazing. You can just immediately see how that's good. Flame Strike and Mage, one um, of the most powerful cards AE in the spell game. spells also tied tied to the concept of value very, very much. Because mm-hmm. AE spells are one of the most relative cards in this game. <laughs> uh, yep. it, the value of an AE spell, AE spell can range very widely. You can use a one of those spells to just kill one creature, or in Hearthstone, you can use it to kill up to seven creatures if uh, mm-hmm. if your opponent has a full board. So AE spells, depending on when you time them and if you use them correctly, can be huge swings in card advantage. Yeah, when playing one, it's always good to think, can I hold on another turn and make him extend further before I play this? Or is there something coming later that I'm even more worried about than right now? So, like, if your opponent has three minions on board and you're still, you know, like 27 health, you can be like, you know, I'm just going to play it cool, play maybe play one more minion and wait another turn, and maybe he'll play one or two more minions on his next turn, and then I can punish him even more with this. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's one of those things that you're constantly evaluating. Similarly, when you're playing, be very careful not to play into your opponent's AoE spells. One of the best things you can learn early on is what AoE spells exist in what classes. And just kind of think about that as you play, because it's very easy to fill your board, assume you win, then it goes to your opponent's turn, and they play a spell that just wipes your board. So we'll, right. again, we'll be going into that more in later episodes, but it's uh, you can play it both ways in terms of getting value off of these. Yeah, so. I think you nailed it there. Um, All right. The last one I wanted to touch upon is uh, a little abstract concept uh-huh. of a uh, card advantage. Sounds. And I don't I, know, Roundress. I, I don't know if I can understand this. I'll do my best. I'll do my <laughs> it's, best. It's not a hard. It's not a hard one. <laughs> but I wanted to touch it because um, it's not direct card advantage as uh-huh. the other ones that we have talked about, but it does uh, basically give you card advantage, uh, and okay. I call it virtual card advantage. Um, in a lot of TCGs, there's spells or effects or certain cards whose ongoing effects or who have a special characteristics that can provide card advantage without necessarily giving you cards or mm-hmm. using cards um in hearthstone the probably the easiest example of this is a hero power right. hero powers can give you virtual card advantage where you translate mana into effects that can um actually increase or decrease the cards for ex- a good example of this is for example the mage hero power uh-huh. with the mage hero power you can outright remove certain creatures in the game just with mana yep reducing your opponent's um card size and leaving yours intact but this is another gain in card advantage yeah it's, um, a, a, an easy way to think about it is if you think of card advantage as a um as a basic formula you know your your cards the opponent's card what is the net gain if you run one creature into one of your opponent's creatures then the net gain of that was zero because you both lost lost a card if you spend a spell to remove two creatures you lost one card they lost two cards so the net was they lost one card however if you do an effect like deal one damage to something without spending a card like a hero power and your opponent loses a card then what is the net of that you lost no cards because you just used an effect they lost one card so that's a net gain for you in card advantage. Exactly. So it's just that idea that it's removing the equation part where you even have to spend a card, but you can still earn them losing cards. Exactly. Um, and a good example of this for uh, to bring up here is mm-hmm. the example of Wisp. Wisp is one of those debated cards, especially mm-hmm. when you're starting out, because it, it seems like such a good card. You, you can play a 1-1 <laughs> for zero mana. That's amazing. Yep. The problem with cards like this is that that can happen. Your opponent can literally just use his hero power if it's a mage or yep. a druid, for example, and destroy your wisp. And suddenly you have lost a card and your opponent yeah. has then minimal resource investment um, and has not spent the card to remove your card, basically losing you in card advantage. Yep. Uh, another example of card advantage can be uh, the paladin hero power that mm-hmm. creates a dude that dude has the potential of killing another creature from your opponent. Um, in in the yeah. sense of, for example, you can use a Blessing of Kings to remove a creature while keeping your dude alive and then using that dude to kill another creature later on. Basically mm-hmm. doing a uh, two-for-one with your Blessing of Kings. Yeah, and every hero dude. power has the potential. With Priest, you can heal up one of your minions to remove something without dying. Priest is another, one, another good example, yeah. Yep. And then, you know, you kept your minion alive while killing one of theirs, once again, gaining you card advantage. So that's why hero powers, while weak 
to their mana cost. Uh, like paying two mana for a spell that healed something for two health would be terrible. But because they don't expend cards, then they, you can still use them strategically at times where you can afford that um, tempo loss, which is something we're about to cover. Yep, um, and uh, I think that's that covers like the basics of like how you gain card advantage and uh-huh. how you can lose it as well. Um, one last thing to note about this, and uh, I think it's important, is that card advantage is super important in this game because mm-hmm. it gives you an edge. But card advantage does not win you the game outright just by itself. It only yeah. increases your odds. I think my obsession with card advantage early on actually limited my getting better at this game for quite a while. Because I very much played a control style where I just always wanted to have more options and more cards than my opponent. Um, mm-hmm. But having cards does not win you the game. Um, if you can't <laughs> play them effectively and play them well to actually reduce your opponent's health to zero, there's not really any point to having cards. So like, exactly. if you don't actually have a plan with those cards, you're not actually working to some way to win. Sure, you can win some games just by attrition, but you're going to want a specific game plan, which is one reason like aggressive decks do so much better in Hearthstone, especially for new players, because they have a, a specific game plan from the get go. And it's very easy to lose sight of that if you get too into card advantage. Yeah. So. So uh, just to close it out, card advantage, super important. Don't get carried away by it. As, although it's important, it's not the end goal in this game. You're not trying to draw it through your entire deck, even yep. though some decks do love doing that. <laughs> uh, it's just, just use it to gain an edge. Exactly. All, All right. right. Let's move on to part two here, which is the other very big part of how you can swing a game, and that is tempo. So, Andres, what is tempo? Tempo. Tempo is probably one of the most misunderstood uh, concepts in Hearthstone, <laughs> and it's because it's not an easy concept to grasp, especially right. when you're starting out. You you kind of have to like sit down and and think sure about didn't. what tempo is. Yep. Um. But basically, if if I can put in like the most basic words, um, tempo is just a way of describing the advantage that one player has over the other when it is able to play more or stronger cards faster than the opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I mean by this is the person who has the tempo advantage is the person who can put out more things faster, either by doing bigger creatures faster than the opponent or by doing more creatures faster than the opponent or just pumping a lot more resources faster. Um, right. There's many decks that take advantage of this um of this concept and it's a very important concept because if you think about it like overall in the game without thinking about specific decks at all usually Mm -hmm. the person who can put out more resources faster than the other person can snowball the game in a way to where the other opponent cannot catch up or might be able to speed have enough speed so that the opponent cannot close out the game you you, basically you close out the game faster than the other person at its very basis, tempo is the speed at which you are playing the game. Um, and at its also very basic is the advantage one player has over the other. So imagine, you know, two players are in a race. Um, the person with tempo is the one ahead. The other person has to react to them and solve that problem or they're going to lose at the current rate the game is going. So basically, whoever has tempo advantage, the other person is on the back foot and has to respond to that. So just take turn one. I play the first turn of Hearthstone. I play a Lepronome. I have tempo now. Because if you don't, as... Uh, as the second player, if you don't respond to that Lepronome, then I'm ahead on the board. You can respond to that in a variety of ways. You could play a more powerful creature than it. You could remove the creature and play something. But until you deal with it, I have tempo. Um, and it can keep going back and forth. Um, 
depending on whoever has the advantage. An interesting thing about tempo is it's not just a set speed, like if one person goes fast out the gate, then they're just going to have tempo the entire game until you can play as many cards as they did. You can catch up with tempo in one turn. If you have a way yeah. to, like with an AoE spell, remove someone's entire board and then play a threat on top of that, you have tempo again because Absolutely. they're having to respond to you again. Tempo is a very ongoing thing, and you have to think about tempo kind of uh, as a tug of war. Where exactly. Bo- both players are kind of trying to grab it. Uh, even though it, Hearthstone is a very diverse game, and some some decks really, really value tempo and use tempo as their main way of winning. Some mm-hmm. other decks don't don't care about tempo very much, actually, no. and don't mind losing tempo because they have ways of recovering later on in the game. From Typically, that however, loss. those decks are very concentrated on stopping the opponent's tempo long enough to do what they want to do. You, yeah, you are very right about that. So even though you're not concerned about using tempo yourself, you're very concerned about tempo as a concept because you have to keep your opponent slow enough to use whatever combo or finisher you're building up to. Um, so tempo, you're always having yeah. to think about it, even if Another you're not using Another way it. Uh, to think about tempo is, is the concept where one player tries to increase the options that he has available to him every turn um, mm-hmm. just as, as much as it can and also decrease the options that your opponent has available. This is another way of seeing it. If you can increase the number of things that you can do in a turn while decreasing the number of things your opponent can do in a turn, um, mm-hmm. it's basically how you get ahead and you gain tempo advantage. Right. You can force them into specific thoughts or uh, places just by like, for example, if you have a six health creature and they're down to six life, suddenly they can't use that fireball to attack you. They have to use it to remove that creature, that six attack creature you have on the board. So yep. by playing threats, you kind of limit their options because it's like, well, I can't do anything until I deal with these threats this person has because otherwise they're just going to run away with the game. Yeah, so You can really lock the opponent down that way. That's true. Um, let's go into some of the ways that you can gain tempo because just talking about like tempo itself might be sure. a little abstract. So going, That's a really good point. Going through the ways of how you can gain tempo might uh, help exemplify this super important concept. Sure. Um, so the first one I want to touch in is mana acceleration. Um, mana acceleration um, is one of the most common ways to gain tempo um, in in Hearthstone. Um, classes, for example, like Druid, have one of the mm-hmm. most obvious mana accelerations mechanics. Yeah. Uh, things like Innervate that adds two temporary mana crystals that turn, or things like Wild Growth that permanently add a mana crystal that turn, and newly added. Uh, Darnassus Aspirant, which adds a mana crystal for as long as it is on the board, are yep. um, examples of this kind of uh, <clears throat> idea. Basically, yeah. by having more mana crystals than your opponent, it allows you to play more things or bigger things a lot sooner than they can. Yeah, it's just a basic idea. If tempo is the speed at which you can play your cards, then having more resources to play your cards is going to get you there faster. It's the idea of building more workers in StarCraft. It's the idea of, you know, having more lands and magic quicker. Um, They very much borrowed that concept of magic. And I think Druid is the only uh, class that can currently do this. Is that Well, actually, every class can do this. Hmm. Did I forget something? Um... (laughs) Here's why every class can do this. Okay. When Hearthstone was first coming out, um, they were discussing uh, the idea of the player who went first 
intrinsically、oh. has tempo advantage because they go first.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that they're always gonna have more mana than their opponent. Basically, on turn one they can play at one、uh, one mana creature. Then、right. you pass the turn and your opponent plays a one mana creature. But now you can answer your opponent's one mana creature with two mana, while your opponent could only answer your one mana creature. With one mana, they are always behind. They're always behind. You're always ahead in the sense that you always have more resources than they do. This、mm-hmm. translated.、Uh, I think Ben Broad talked about this a while ago, and I think he said that it translated in about like a twenty percent increased chance if you went first. Yikes! That is unacceptable. Unacceptable, <laughs> right? For a game like Hearthstone, where like、yeah. a, a percentage sometimes can make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, so the way that they solved this was by adding a tempo fix to the second player. They gave the second player the coin, which is just that a mana acceleration, so that when the second player decides, he can go ahead of his opponent and answer his opponent、um, accordingly with a with、um, with a play that involves more mana. Getting ahead of their turn, but basically ahead、That's, of one turn. Yep, the coin. You're right. It's for one turn. You can be one mana ahead for that turn, and that is a huge. Knowing when to flip the tables like that, when to play your three cost card in turn two or your five cost card in turn four, is so important when you go second. And it's pretty much what can buy you tempo super, back. Super, super important, especially、yeah. if you're playing a deck that is tempo oriented, meaning、mm-hmm. that its win condition is having tempo. Yeah,、uh, you need to know that that coin is there for that. Exactly, it can buy the game back in your favor. So that's a really good point. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so another way to to keep tempo in your favor is efficiency, and this is pretty darn similar to the concept of value we were talking about before.、Um, but Andres, why don't you go over efficiency real quick? Sure, efficiency is、uh, super basic. It basically just says.、Um, There are cards in the game that are stronger than other cards in the game, and that cost the same thing.、Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of this is, for example, um, um, oh, I'm blanking on this guy, the Footman. Oh, Goldshire Footman. Goldshire Footman. That is a one attack, two health creature with taunt that costs one mana. Yes, costs one mana. And then we have、uh, Zombie Chow, one、uh-huh. mana, two three. Yep. Yep. So basically, the concept of efficiency is: if you're playing creatures that are just better than your opponent's creatures, you are gonna result in a tempo gain because your creatures are just gonna outright kill their creatures, and you're gonna be able to keep your creatures on the board, put more creatures on the board, and eventually、uh, snowball, snowball、yeah. out of it. This is why、um, in arena. That whole format, you'll hear people say it's a very tempo-focused format, and that's why when you're selecting your cards for an arena run, basically a good rule of thumb is just choose the best stats for a mana cost. Like just keep cards that are good stats for their mana cost, and you can stay ahead of the game in general. Exactly,、There、definitely subtleties to arena, but that is a very important core concept of arena. To exemplify this concept a little more, like think about cards, for example,、uh, like Piloted Treader. Mm-hmm. Piloted Shredder is a great tempo card because、yep. it has a ton of stats packed into only four mana, and even、yep. though it's spread around in two turns,、um, 
the effects of it are very noticeable. Just take, let's say, Palette Shredder in a vacuum and put it against a, um, uh, how was his name? The Golem, the seven mana, seven, seven. Oh, golem. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, what the heck is that thing called? Who uses uh, that? Who uses that? It's Dr. Boom eliminated that guy out of the water. Head Golem, uh, Golem seven, seven. We're going to see if Google knows. War Golem. <laughs> the War Golem. War Golem. Thank you. Man, I haven't used a War Golem in ages. <laughs> but War Golem costs seven mana to put into yep. play. Palisher Shredder costs four mana, yet a Palisher Shredder over two turns can destroy a War Golem on average with like the creatures that come that comes out of it. Yeah, that's a really good point because you get a four three and then you might get like a three two. You got a seven, you know, a seven five for four mana. So for less mana, you have dealt with more resources than your opponent has used, resulting in a not only not in a card advantage but in a tempo gain. Yeah exactly so it's again that idea of just choosing those cards it's a kind of a deck building concept more than a playing your deck kind of concept but it's a really important one to understand Mm -hmm. so all right another huge uh concept of tempo is mana curve and how this differentiates from mana acceleration is instead of changing the rate at which you're gaining mana it's using the mana you have well we touched on this a little bit when we talked about mana and as a, a resource in general but This also goes into deck building a bit, but having a type of deck where you can play something good on turn one, play something good on turn two, play something good on turn three, that is utilizing all of your mana into the cards you're playing is huge because you're making the most of every single turn. Um, That's why tempo decks typically have pretty low curves. And what that means, a low curve is the idea of your curve consisting a lot of low cost cards. So like having a lot of one mana cards that you can play on turn one, having a lot of two mana cards that you can play on turn two, having a lot of three mana cards that you can play on turn three, etc., is a low curve while a high curve focuses more on high mana cards. Another important part of the mana curve and playing on curve is you can look at the technical like graph of your mana curve and say, Hey, it's great. I have like a ton of one drops as priest. And then but you might realize a lot of those one-cost cards are not cards you would play on turn one. A lot of them might be removal cards that deal two damage to your opponent's minions. A lot of them might be healing cards or stuff that really would have no purpose to play on turn one or turn two. So when you're thinking about mana curve, it's not just the cost of the card you need to be thinking about, but it's also, is that card something I would actually play in that slot? Would I actually play this card on turn one to gain tempo? Or is it a utility card or a removal card that just happens to cost this much mana? Exactly. Um, basically, the player who can use its mana more efficiently, the player who can stay on, on curve the most, mm-hmm. will usually have a greater advantage than its opponent. Yeah. Um, this is because, just think about it in like simple mathematical terms. Let's say you mm-hmm. play a turn one and your opponent misses its turn one. You play yeah. a turn two, your opponent plays a turn two. Then you play a turn three and your opponent misses it's turn three yep. and just like hero powers or something. Mm-hmm. Then you play a turn four and then he plays a turn four. So on. Uh, eventually, once you get, let's say, to like turn seven uh, and you're able to close out the game and you look back into the game, you're like, wow, I, I was able to close out this game so easily. It was mainly because you were throughout the whole span of the game, you were probably able to spend an average of like, I don't know, 27 mana, 30 mana total. Mm-hmm. While your opponent might have had, might have only spent about like seventeen or eighteen, yep, because he missed those those drops and mana. Like we talked about earlier in the show, is you can't 
transfer mana to your next turn. If you don't yeah. use it, it's gone and it's gone forever and you will be behind that three mana for the rest of the game. It reminds me a lot of when I was trying to dig into the concepts of how to play StarCraft. StarCraft is a real-time strategy game that I'm sure most people have played at this point where you're gaining a bunch of resources and then spending them on units, and you can purchase units with your resources. And you can get caught up in all these different tactics in StarCraft. You can get caught up in, you know, making stealth units and using stim packs on Marines and positioning of your units and all sorts of, like, crazy different strategies you can get into. But if you're not doing the basic concept of earning a lot of minerals and then actually spending those minerals on units as fast as you can and actually spending the minerals you get, then you're probably going to lose the game, even if you're using all those other abilities perfectly. If you yeah, are not, that is a great analogy. If you're not building the units and keeping your, actually using the mineral count you have, because it can be so easy to get caught up in other stuff in StarCraft and not even notice your minerals are like 10,000, you're not even spending them on units. But <laughs> when you look back at the game, if they had 100 Marines and you had 30, no matter how well you use those Marines and how perfectly you upgrade them and move them around, you're going to lose the game if you yep. didn't actually spend it. So it's really similar in Hearthstone. Um, that in the end, those core stats you're getting for those core mana, until you have that down, you're probably going to keep losing games to people who can at least do that. And it's easy to jump past that concept and start moving on to more, uh, uh, more complicated stuff and then just miss out. So yeah, I was so, bad uh, at StarCraft. Use, use your <laughs> mana. Um, yeah. The last thing I was going to say about this, like you, you'll sometimes, based on this concept, sometimes you will watch pros do plays, for example, um, I don't know, they're playing a handlock and they mm -hmm. maybe drew into a very clunky hand and their opponent maybe that is not putting a lot of pressure. Maybe you just don't have your giants or your drakes. You just don't have threats to play, but you have a ton of removal. Right. Um, and then your opponent passes the turn and he didn't play a minion or something. And you're mm -hmm. looking at your hand and you have just a bunch of spells and removal and maybe like a heal bot. And it's turn five and you're like, well... I definitely don't need to heal right now, but if I don't play this heal bot, I'm not going to play anything in this yeah. turn. And most of the time, you'll see the pros be like, well, I don't need the heal bot, but I'm not going to pass the turn without doing anything because they know not spending that five mana right now, even though maybe they don't get the full heal, uh, means that they're not going to have it for the rest of the game. And then yep. later down the line, they may actually not have enough time to play that heal bot just because yeah. they didn't play it early on. I was going to say that same thing in other contests is you have like a seven drop, an eight drop, a nine drop, and it's turn six and you have like maybe a four drop. It's like, well, if I don't play this now and use this mana now, I'm probably never going to have mana to play this card. So that's a really good point as well. Yeah, sometimes exactly. You to drop so stuff sometimes staying on curve means making suboptimal plays just mm -hmm. so you can use up the mana. Uh, is you know it very much depends on the moment but yeah. generally you want to use mana as much as possible yeah the really fascinating thing about hearthstone is as you probably noticed by now these are a lot of simple concepts the fun of hearthstone is evaluating what's gone on what is your deck what is my opponent's deck and which of these concepts are more important to each other at a given moment like should yeah, i be getting card advantage? should i be getting tempo should i be using mana efficiently like it's trying to figure out which of those is more important on each turn that makes the game so much fun to play for me yeah. so um let's finish this uh All real right. quick there's only two more things that i want to talk about how to gain yep. tempo uh one of them is super important and is uh, a very <laughs> heated one because there's cards <laughs> that are involving in this one that are very debated in the world of hearthstone okay but this one pertains to punishing yeah and punishing is a term coined for magic the gathering and basically it what it what it is is 
when your opponent does a big investment of resources into a play and you're able to counter this play with a minimal use of your resources, that's what we call punishing. Yep. Um, a good example of this is, for example, the biggest one is, for example, your Ragnaros. You play your Ragnaros and he comes yeah. out. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to destroy everything in your opponent's board. And then you pass the turn and your opponent just big games Hunter that Ragnaros. Yep. You can just, for three mana, kill a minion with seven attack or more. And it's just like, bam, he's gone. It was just a battle cry. I only spent three mana. And now you lost your entire last turn. Exactly. Um, and that sort of thing can be a huge tempo swing uh, when you spend eight mana to play a creature and your opponent only uses three mana to destroy the creature. On top of that, put a four to four to creature on the board and then he probably still has four more mana free to just do whatever the hell he wants. Play yeah. more a Palliator Shredder or, or play more things. So mm-hmm. basically, he uh, gained tempo by using making you use up your whole turn into a play that he could deal with easily with minimal resources. Yep. So basically every time you're investing in something, you just have to think, is there a way my opponent could punish this? Is there a way I could lose this investment? It's like if you're investing in something and in stock, you're thinking, is this company going to go down suddenly? Will Mm -hmm. I be punished for overextending this and investing? Another big thing that is a punishing factor is uh, AOE spells, which we covered before. Um, something that can hit your whole board. If you spend your whole turn like filling up a board of minions, you can absolutely be punished for that. It's the same concept. Yeah. Of you dump all your investment into this one thing and then you pay for it. So uh, um, similarly, always look for opportunities to punish your opponent. There are a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, in this game, most of the cards that can punish things like that um, are very low costed because mm-hmm. they're meant they're meant to be punishing. Um, I, think Blizzard, I think Blizzard has done a really good job um, balancing them out, though. For yeah. example, cards like Polymorph. Yep. Cards like Polymorph are a great example of this because using Polymorph on anything that costs maybe like three or more ma- or less mana is very yeah. inefficient and, and an absolute tempo loss for you because you're using more mana to get rid of uh, things that cost less. But using mm-hmm. Polymorph on a creature that costs maybe five or more mana, then suddenly Polymorph is gaining you tempo. Um, obviously, Polymorphing a Belcher is is good. Not as good as Polymorphing a Ysera, though, or yeah. a Deathwing or that sort of thing. <laughs> polymorphing a Deathwing. That's, um, that's amazing. It's also the name of my new rock band. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great name for a rock band. I thought so. Uh, all right, so we've got one last big tempo swing. This tempo swing is pretty interesting to me because as we discussed before the show, Andres, it's typically self-inflicted. Yes, so uh, this, this, is, yeah. this is more relevant to other uh, trading card games, but it does exist in Hearthstone, and like you just said, it's mainly self-inflicted. Yeah, that's uh, Mana Crystal Destruction. And yeah, that can actually happen in Hearthstone, as um, many people who have played probably have seen. Mana Crystals can be destroyed as well as created. Um, some examples of this, the Darnassus Aspirant that just entered the game, sure, when it enters the board, it gains you a Mana Crystal for each turn. So on turn two, you'll have three. On turn three, you'll have four, etc. But when it exits the battlefield, you'll actually lose a Mana Crystal. So that's well, a Well, it's important cost- to say when it's destroyed in the battlefield. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it can destroyed. exit the battlefield in the form of... Uh, Brewmaster, for example, and really still leave point. the mana crystal behind, yeah, which a is a cool, rattle. interesting mechanic about it. 
Yeah, you're right. It's, it's You're right, because you can bring, bounce it back to hand play and then get another mana crystal. But mm-hmm. the problem is, it can sometimes enter your board without you ever having gained the mana crystal. Because gaining the mana crystal is a battle cry and losing it is a death rattle, it could, say, come out of a piloted shredder when a piloted shredder dies, and suddenly you're just behind a mana crystal when it dies. Yeah. Or you can mirror entity it uh, as a mage and get it from your opponent, and it's like, shoot, now I lose yeah. a mana crystal. Or you uh, can maybe seal it with a cabal uh, priest and... Yep. Suddenly, you're going to lose a mana crystal when it dies. Uh, uh, you can there's play also like Felguard. other cards. Yeah, yeah. Felguard also does it. Other cards like Felguard destroy mana crystals. Yeah, so it, it is, and that's a massive tempo loss. So you have to be thinking, basically, these cards never um, would never see play. Stuff like Felguard never sees play because Darnassus Aspirant does because most of the time you're not losing a mana crystal with it. But like any card that deliberately uses you mana, I think unless it's like a finisher, is going to be played by very, very few decks because of this tempo loss. Like, doesn't Demon Fuse also do this? Or is Demon it Fuse else? loses you a mana crystal? Or what does Demon Fuse do? It does something, or is it discarding something? I need oh, to look this up I think now. it's discard, yeah. I don't think it's mana crystal yeah. destruction. I think it's only Felguard who does this. Um, Blizzard yeah. has specifically said that they will never create um, cards that uh-huh. target your opponent's mana crystals. Yep. Because uh, other TCGs have tried it, and we've all... We've all seen how that turns out. It's not fun for anyone except yep. for the person who's destroying the mana crystals. And it just leads to a lot of rage and a lot of tilt. I have played dragons in magic that like every time they attack, you can destroy your opponent's lands. Oh, yeah. It's the yeah. worst. Not fan. Not fun. You just pretty much just sit there watching your opponent and get destroy yeah. you without being able to do anything. Oh, also, so... Demon Fuse gives your opponent a mana crystal. Oh, there you is, go. That is why I was... Yeah, it's basically the same thing, but a little different. So There you yeah. go. Same tempo um, loss, though. But yeah, mana crystal destruction, probably one of the biggest tempo losses that you can incur in this game yep. is Delib- deliberately sending you behind for the rest of the game you're gonna it's and it's progressive right you just mm-hmm. don't lose that mana crystal that turn but for mm-hmm. the rest of the game you lose one mana crystal each turn uh yeah exactly it's not like you're losing them cumulatively like you're losing two on turn the next turn and three on the next but yeah every turn you're going to be one behind the normal curve because exactly. once a mana crystal is which destroyed, essentially is like yeah. losing a mana crystal because it's yeah. a mana that you didn't use exactly uh, um, the last thing I wanted yep. to say on mana crystal destruction is that mm-hmm. there are cards in this game that mimic that effect. Uh, that they don't outright do that, but they mimic it. Mm. In the and those cards are things like uh, Lothab. Right, Lothab is the closest thing we're gonna get to mana I, crystal destruction in this game. I think there's actually one other similar thing. It's self-imposed again, though, but it's a shaman's overload mechanic. True. Yeah, but again, self-imposed, so you yeah. you can choose. But yeah, Lothab, um, you're right. That but Lothab actually... and the new one that came out with TGT that does it with your uh, hero power? Yeah. Your hero power costs more? So Lothab basically makes all spells for your opponent's next turn. Not the rest of the game, but the next turn costs three more. Yeah, so it's a similar turn. concept. Of yeah, can... basically it's like making your opponent have less mana crystals. It's kind of like exactly. increasing the ratio, you know, the ratio of value. Yep, they're really fun cards, and I really like cards like Lothab and Saboteur existing yeah. in the game because they are they can be strategically placed to, like, not destroy your opponent's machine so it doesn't feel horrible, but just kind of, like, trip them up at the perfect element yeah, to, to stay ahead of Yeah, Lothab done at the right time and uh, with the right planning can be mm-hmm. super devastating because yeah. effects like this one are incredibly powerful, and that's why Lothab only lasts one turn. <laughs> Imagine if Lothab was, for the rest of the game, your yeah. opponent's spells cost Basically, more. Lothab is, uh, can be a huge uh, tempo gain card, and yep. a lot of people use it as that. Exactly. 
exactly. All right. Well, we made it, Andres. We have covered the core concepts of Hearthstone. Woo! Uh, we'll cover Tilt in a later episode. <laughs> um, uh, I guess the, the last thing that I wanted to do to sum all this up is yeah. that um, these core concepts, like you said a second ago, they are a way of thinking. Uh, yep. Tempo and card advantage basically um, help you decide what to do in a game. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they don't tell you your game plan. The game plan is up to you to develop and, you know, up to the deck that you build. But mm-hmm. these concepts are the ones who help you navigate through the game. They're That's the ones really who, point. when you keep in mind, when you, you know, think about these things, those are the ones who are going to help you decide, should I use this card this turn? Should I save this card this turn? What card should I be playing this turn? And what is my opponent trying to do? How do I stay on top of it? Um, that's, this, this is basically what it is. Yeah, they're not giving you the solutions to the answers, but they're kind of like the index, or they're, they're kind of like the glossary telling you what, what the terms you're thinking in to begin with are. So like, the, yeah, they're the terms you're thinking of. Exactly, but they're, not they're the like, the, um, like the plus and minus signs of the equation, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're what you're working with, but they're not going to give you the solution. The solution's up to you and how you want to utilize them. Again, mm-hmm. you can't just say, oh, so I should just always get card advantage, or oh, so I should just always get tempo, because there are going to be plays where you have to choose one or the other, or you have to spend health to get card advantage, or exactly. spend tempo to get, and there isn't just like, well, there's, I'm going to get more tempo than I'm going to get card advantage, so I should go with that play, because sometimes one is going to be more valuable than the other because of the type of strategy you're playing. Exactly. Um most of the time in this game, the way the way they have designed it is that mm-hmm. if you go for card advantage, you're usually losing tempo. Yep. Sometimes if you're going for tempo, you're foregoing card advantage just to maintain the tempo. Yep. Sometimes to uh, keep value out of your cards, you might not do a tempo play, uh, stuff like that. So it's always a give and take. And um, h- how you do that give and take is what really separates the really good players from the not-so-good ones. Exactly. So that's going to lead us into next week on uh, episode or part two of this little three-part tutorial we're doing. We're going to be focusing on deck archetypes and win conditions. So that's going to be going into, okay, here are the concepts. How can I use these to actually win the game? And we're going to go over the most common ways of doing that and the different uh, decks that fit into them. So I'm really excited about doing that because that really gets into the meat of playing Hearthstone. Um, and how you can actually put together a deck and win. Uh, Until then, a couple last notes I want to make is we will be having a segment at the end of the show to answer any strategy questions you all have. Specifically, it would be great if you have any questions to send us in about next week's topic. So if you guys have any questions you want us to answer about deck archetypes and win conditions, send them in over the next week, and we will definitely put them at the end of our show and address those. Also, please, please, please just send us any feedback you have about this, because this is just a new idea that we're super excited about and super passionate about. But what you guys are getting out of it is huge because we're kind of doing it as a or we're totally doing it as a teaching tool for people. So, yeah, absolutely. Please let us know what you guys think about this new format of the episode. We are super excited about it. We definitely want to keep moving forward with uh, Hearthaholics. Um, For now, it'll be Brian and me doing Mm -hmm. uh, this sort of educational thing. We plan to do a lot of uh, side stuff with it, too. Yep. Uh, hopefully, we can release a mini-guide with each episode that we do, covering all these concepts that we already have. So you guys can download it and keep it for your own personal records, or if you want to send your friend who just got into Hearthstone, that totally. sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, please let us know what you guys think. Write in or tweet at us. Any of those things work. Absolutely. Yeah, we um, just yeah, let us know anything. What 
whether you're an experienced player or a new player, like if you think our uh, explanations were good, if we missed anything, uh, just any thoughts you have would be awesome. And yeah, like Andres said, I'm going to work on taking our show notes here and putting them into a little article that we'll put into the show notes and attach to this episode. So it's kind of a, a study guide you can follow along with and be able to, you know, have a quick index to read instead of having to listen through the whole episode again. And yeah, we're very much trying to make this a resource for new players that people can go back to even in the years to come. So if you have any friends trying to get into the game and you think this was a good place to start, then definitely send this their way and uh, see what they think about it. And that'll be it. So I need to actually pull out my old show notes to get all our social media stuff. I forgot to add them to this new one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find us on Twitter at HeartTheHolex. We're also on YouTube and Facebook and iTunes. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lord Meldor, and you can find Andres. Where can they find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter at iPlayGames. You spell uh -huh. that I-P-L-A-I -I Games. Go over there. If you have any questions, if you want to let me know about anything, um, I run a game night on Mondays. If you have any questions or want to get in touch with me to do that, it's super, super fun. I will actually want to do a little uh, plug about that. Oh, yeah, the go ahead. Yeah, the last few weeks, we've been playing a Archon Team League style kind of tournament mm -hmm. where we divide each other. We divide the whole group into two different calls, and then each call has about three to four different players. Each player picks a deck. And it's um, based on the Archon Team League rules, where for the team to win, everybody in the team has to win at least once with uh, each deck, or just mm -hmm. once, basically, because it's Conquest. Um, and then it's been super exciting that people yeah. have been coming, have been having a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great place to learn, because we're actually playing, you know, real decks. Um <laughs> And then you get input from your entire team. It gets super competitive. Everyone wants to win. It's still like a very lighthearted environment. Uh, really cool people. If you guys are interested in that sort of thing, it'd be awesome. Where We want to expand it because so far we have about like two and a half teams. So hopefully mm -hmm. we can get like at least wow. four, four teams going on. At least like That's a 3v3. Awesome. It would be, yeah, it would be super cool. So definitely check it out if you guys are interested in some, uh, some cool kind of tournament style but without all the tournament uh, hassle going into it. Yeah, so we're setting up those game nights through the imminent Hearthstone podcast, The Angry Chicken. So you can have it over there, subreddit at slash TAC podcast and find. Actually, so this is exciting. I recently finally just got the Wednesday night um, game nights, which I run from them, just stickied as a thread at the top of their uh, subreddit. So oh, all I do now is I just edit that stickied thread every week with the new details and I'll have them do the same for your Monday night one. Uh, and that way people can just go to the subreddit and right up there you'll see wednesday night uh wednesday game night and monday game night and it'll have the details andres has mondays at 6 30 p.m central daily time and mine are wednesdays at 8 p.m central daily time uh and yeah the wednesday game nights because that's the day tavern brawls come out it's pretty much all just playing the tavern brawl and having fun and not being remotely competitive so <laughs> both of them are super fun i encourage they they both. i mean we have everything to offer guys so you, you can come to the competitive one or the funsy one we yeah. got it all I'm really excited to go to the competitive one again now that you started that team league format. So I'm <laughs> it's to do been that next super week. fun. The last few times I've had a blast. Absolutely. That just that whole format sounds amazing. I mean, to counter pick your opponent. I mean, it's going to be crazy when patron isn't going to be played anymore. 
Like, yeah, it's all gonna change. Actually, there there hasn't been that much patron in your game uh, nights. I, I've good. been I've been the asshole playing the patron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know how to play it, so that's a benefit. Uh, finally, everyone, this is a production of Whales Are Whales, so you can head over to WhalesAreWhales.com. That is Whales A R E Whales.com to find more more awesome shows like this with awesome people like us. And that's going to do it for this exciting episode of Hearthaholics. We'll be with you guys next week with episode two of our tutorial series on deck archetypes and wind conditions. And until then, keep on learning. Peace. Let the hunt begin.